board. Welcome to LEO Roundtable. My name is Brett Bartlett. I'll be your I'll be your step-in host. Chip the block is in parts unknown. We think it has something to do with an intervention. A uh, a white van pulled up. Uh, some people called him and dragged him in and said it's all for his good. So I don't know how that's going to work out. All right. Also with us tonight is retired federal prosecutor Ward Maythaler. Ward, say hey. Retired Major Ron McMullen. Retired Corporal David Agressa. Retired Officer Andrew Casal, and we have Will on board as well. We also have a special guest, Mr. Jeffrey James Higgins. Uh, he was with us uh, a lot when we first started the show, and he's going to have some really special content for us tonight. But first, before we get started, I want to briefly mention our sponsors, and we'll talk about them more in a little bit. But we have Column Case Management. We have Extra Duty Solutions, Viridian, and GunLearn. So, guys, thanks for being our sponsors. And also, shout out to Pexit for... Uh, being uh, hosting us on, on here, providing this this wonderful program that we use every Monday night. Some updates in the in the case of uh, of uh, Mr. Floyd, who was who was killed in in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, this bylines Minneapolis uh, prosecutors are charging fired Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin with second degree murder. It's gone up from third degree and second degree manslaughter. The three other officers involved were also fired, but were not immediately charged. The Star Tribune reported citing multiple sources. The Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, whose son is on the city council, Ward Number Five, if you can remember Ward Five, um, upgraded the charges against Chauvin while also charging Officer Thomas Lane, Jay Quang, and and Officer Tao Dao. I hope I said that right. With aiding and abetting second degree murder and um, Mr. Um, second degree manslaughter. So here's here's one of the concerns, and as we're waiting for, uh, we'll get Jeffrey to start talking here in a minute. One of the concerns is, and I was talking to somebody earlier today, what if, what if, and this might be a good question for Ward later on, what if they've overcharged these guys, and what if the jury finds them not guilty? What if the charges don't stick? Are we going to have more trouble down the line than we, than we started with? So that's something I want to uh, bring out in just a little bit. I want to give Jeffrey James Higgins as much time as we possibly can. Um, Jeffrey is a, he's a retired DEA supervisor, special agent, 35 years of law enforcement experience. He's a master of science of criminal justice with a focus in research from the University of Cincinnati. He has a bachelor of science degree in journalism from Boston University. Uh, he's uh, received numerous awards, including U.S. Attorney General's Award for Exceptional Heroism and the DEA's Award of Valor. He is a prolific author, thinker, researcher, and not too many years ago, he wrote an article that he's going to talk about that, that was so eerily prescient in, in that it forecast what was going on. So, Jeff, if you'd like to start talking about your uh, your works and about your research in this topic, please have at it. You are our guest tonight, and you take as much time as you need. Well, thanks, Brad. It's a real honor to be here. You know, your panelists are terrific. I have a lot of experience between them, and especially the uh, audience who watches the show. I know you've got a lot of law enforcement and people who are interested in these issues, so I, I really do appreciate it. I've got um, a number of articles on my website. It's jeffreyjameshiggins.com, and in those articles I deal with, with race and, and uh, racism and police and police shootings and things. So if you um, tonight I'm actually going to talk to you about an article I'm writing right now, sort of looking at some of the most recent research, and I'd really encourage viewers to go to my website, jeffreyjameshiggins.com, and email me. Tell me what I'm missing from tonight, or if you think something works or doesn't work, because I'm going to write the article and get it published sometime later this week. So uh, you, you can also email me at jeffrey at jeffreyjameshiggins.com. 
So, you know, I, I didn't intend to write this article, but the public's being fed a, a lot of lies right now. Our cities are burning. We've got officers dying, people being beaten in the streets. And I really felt the moral compunction to speak out about this. Um, you know, the, the crazy part is we all agree that excessive force by police is wrong. We all agree that racism is wrong. You know, the, everyone who's seen the video of, uh, of, of George Floyd being killed believes that was wrong and sickening to watch, you know, except for probably a handful of racists in the country, and it's really an insignificant amount of people in this country. Everyone agrees on this stuff, but we still have people rioting, we have protests, and it's, it's all based on this false narrative. And then the narrative is that police are racist, that there's an epidemic of police shootings, that the, the police are the enforcers of this unfair criminal justice system that's based on a legacy of Jim Crow and slavery. And the fact is, the, the the actual data disproves that, but for some reason, like the articles I wrote in 2017 and 2018, haven't really sunk in. And I think the problem is people are generally, when you're talking about emotional issues like this, people think through their emotion. So they see something that makes them angry, and instead of taking a step back and being dispassionately objective, they just follow they just follow their emotion. And this really, when you're when you're talking about major changes to society and defunding police and the things, the discussion right now, you have to be objective in how you look at it. So the the other thing is a lot of these accusations, like America is racist, everything is based on racist. Of course they're racist, right? They're they're the racist, and every race has racist within them. Every country has racist, but you need specific examples. Saying these generalized criticisms, there's nothing you can do with that. You have to point to specific laws. You have to point to specific police departments or sp specific actions so that we can all get together and change them. The other thing is uh, statistics. You see these statistics in the media all the time. I read a. a, a, a a new survey a couple days ago saying blacks in general are two and a half times more likely to be killed by police than whites. And I have no doubt that's true. And it's terrible. And there's problems there. But you can't jump from, from broad data, like metadata, to causation. And you constantly see that causation versus correlation problem. You know, the classic example in statistics is the, the sales of ice cream are heavily correlated with increased crime. And that doesn't mean ice cream is causing crime. There are other confounding variables like, like uh, you know, heat in the summer, people outside, drinking that comes along with that, people off from work. So if you, know, if you don't look at those variables, you're, you're not going to get to the heart of it. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about tonight. The other thing is the anecdotal versus systemic. People see something like the George Floyd murder and they're outraged. I was outraged. Everyone's looking at that going, it's horrible, right? But then that doesn't mean all police officers are doing that. And it's ironic to me because on one hand you have these violent protests and you have protesters in the media and a lot of and a lot of politicians saying the actions of a few protesters do not speak for all the demonstrators and the vast majority of them are, are actually you know uh, nonviolent, which is also true. But then they say there's the action of a police officer, therefore all police officers are are, are the same way. So you know you have to have a standard and stick to it. And in this in this particular case, you know the officers were immediately fired. Uh, the, the officer was a Chauvin, I think, Brett Chauvin. He was he was charged with murder. And uh, by the way, I do agree that they might be overcharging, which could be terrible. But he was he was charged as he should be. And then the other officers are being charged too. So this is supposedly uh, racist system worked, right? <laughs> the system actually worked. So what are what are people protesting about, and why are they rioting? And the answer is this false narrative. So 
I'm going to speak quickly. I'm from the Northeast, so forgive me. But I just want to get through some of these numbers because the, the actual data is what matters, okay? So it's actually extremely rare for the police to kill anybody. But an, an unarmed black male is three times more likely to be killed by a lightning strike than by a police officer. I've been using the data from the Washington Post's uh, Fatal Force database. It's really hard to get a to get a you know an accurate account, but that's one of the better sites or the most updated. And they are fairly left-leaning, so I figure if anything, they'll be more critical of police than they should be, so it's a good one to use. According to that site, there were 1,004 people killed in 2019, shot and killed by police. Of them, 406 were white, 249 were black. Significantly more whites, but of course, whites are a much bigger part of the population, so that makes sense. There were 25 unarmed white people who were killed by the uh, police in 2019 and 15 unarmed blacks. I focus on those 15 unarmed blacks, not because if you're if you're if you're unarmed, it means it's a bad shooting. It most often doesn't, but you're, those are more likely to be bad shootings than when you're pointing a gun at a police officer, right? So focusing on those 15 makes makes a lot of sense. I don't want to go through all of them, but I, I went through each of those individual 15 cases, and I'm just going to read you the quick headlines just so you get a feel for it. I'm, I'm going to consider for our purposes here that they were we're going to assume they were all bad. They absolutely were not. One had, I'm just gonna read these real quickly. One was a car chase, a crash, a fight where the officer was hospitalized. Another, the suspect was reaching into his waistband and the officers recovered a weapon. Another one was they were in a car chase and they found loaded guns in the car. Another one, the suspect was on drugs and he attacked officers. There was another car chase and a fight with an officer. There was a, another fight with an officer. There was a car chase where they found a loaded gun. There was one where the, the suspects on tape threatening to harm the officer. There, there was a one during the uh, serving of a robbery warrant in a chase. There was one during a search warrant, which actually looks more suspicious than some of the other ones because the suspect was shot in the back of the head. There was uh, street contacts, uh, uh, one during disturbance, a traffic stop. And then in one of the 15th one, in one of them, an officer was actually charged with murder. So there's, there's, he was indicted. So the facts you know, show that he did something wrong. So if you look at those 15 unarmed shootings, 15 unarmed black males were shot and killed by police in 2019. Just from this, what I just read you, most of them sound like they're probably good shoots. Let's just assume none of them were, just for the purposes of proving a point here. So the question is, how systemic is the problem of, of police officers being racist and shooting unarmed black, black men? So if you compare the number of officers for the number of unarmed black men who are shot, and I'm, I'm using 2018 because we have the, the FBI has a uniform uh, crime reporting system, and that's really the most accurate and the most official. If you look at that from 2018, there were 686,665 sworn officers. That means there was one unarmed black man shot and killed for every 45,000 officers. That's a big number, one for every 45,000 officers. So when an officer does something bad, you don't want to extrapolate that to the whole, okay? Then if you want to compare um, how many black men were shot versus how many uh, uh, black citizens were arrested, in 2018, there were over 10 million arrests. Of those, federally, the FBI only knows the race for 5.6 million of them. If you look at that, 5.6 million, 27.4% were black. That's 1.5 million black people arrested in 2018. If you look at, if you look at, that's one unarmed black male who was shot for every 91,000 black offenders who were arrested. I'll say that again. One unarmed black male shot and killed for every 91,000 black offenders arrested. That, you know, and, and we're trying to make the, the, people are trying to make the argument that this is a systemic problem. And if you want to look at contact, right, which is another thing, how many, how many black citizens were contacted by police? The best stats I saw were in 2015, where there were 53.5 million people had contact with police. And I'll just cut to the chase. 95% of those are traffic stops. 
the people who are polled and the, the Department of Justice polls these people every year, every other year, I think, or every third year, 95% of the people contacted said the police behave properly. For street contacts, where it's like pedestrians were, were contacted, 81% they said they police behave properly. Now, everyone contacted isn't a criminal, but a lot of people who are contacted are criminals, which is why they're being contacted. And you still have numbers of approval of 81 and 95%. So after the uh, Arbery uh, murder that happened recently, LeBron James tweeted, and I quote, we're literally hunted every day, every time we step foot outside the comfort of our homes. According to the U.S. Census, there's over 328 million people in the U.S., 13.4% are, are black. That's 43 million people. That's one unarmed black male shot by police out of almost every 3 million black Americans. Right? These are not everybody being hunted. These are incredibly small numbers. Does it sound like an epidemic to you? You know, it doesn't. It doesn't to me. And, I, and I, to make the point, why why is this happening? You can, if I told you the name of every unarmed black male who was shot and killed by police in the last ten years, you would know it. Everybody knows these names. The the, the it's the media pushes them. But I already told you last year there were twenty five. Black or white males unarmed who were shot and killed by the police. Can anybody name the name one white male unarmed who was shot and killed by police in the last 10 years? I don't think anyone can name one. I can't name one. And the reason is because nobody pays attention because it goes against the, the narrative. Yeah. So um, you have to look at, so if, if, if first, so first off, the problem is not large. Secondly, what is causing the problem? Because black males are more likely to be shot than whites. So there, there is a discrepancy. There's a disparity between races there. And what you have to look at is these other causative variables. So I'm just going to go through them really quickly. You can go on my website and I'm hopefully with some input from your viewers, I'll, I'll, I'll beef up this article. Um, basically just real quick. Do you, do you need to stop me for a second? Yeah, just, just for a minute. Uh, and I'm going to let that all settle in. I want to talk about one of our sponsors, so we, you know, we need to recognize them. So, gather your thoughts, and you guys are getting ready to ask questions. Get your questions ready. But let me just bring up one thing. One of our sponsors is GunLearn.com, and this this is from them. No matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, ammunition, there is that knowledge gap which leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com took the confusion out of learning and made them easy. GunLearn.com is the first and only company to offer a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by the major forensic organizations across the country, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers alike. Since 1996, they've taught everything Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition, to all facets of law enforcement. Start today, don't delay. Start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. They're, they're all over the country. Get free training for yourself and your personnel by hosting a seminar at no cost to your agency. And in this day and age of budget problems and they're getting worse, this is a good deal. Come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. And Jeffrey, I appreciate you giving me a second to, to uh, state that. Go ahead and, um, Finish your thoughts, and I'd like to get this open to the rest of the panel for their comments. Okay, I don't want to talk your ear off. I just want to go through some other possible causative variables to dis to describe the discrepancy between black and white. And I also want to mention a few of the studies really quickly, because when even when a shooting is bad, you can't infer racism, right? Yet there has to be proof of racism. And what they do when you take these generalized uh, metadata and then come to conclusions about causation. Well, let me give you an example. This is this is why it's wrong. Of there were 249 uh, black people who were shot and 
by police, not, uh, shot and killed by police, not even the unarmed, all black people in 2019. Only six of them are women. Does that mean, is that misandry, right? Is, does that mean that the, the cops are, are, are have, a, have a problem with men? You know, no, of course not. The causative variable there is most violent crime is committed by men. The vast majority is by young men, okay? So that's an idea. So, he, so here are some of the possible variables that explain the error that, like, the media makes when they, when they jump from descriptive to inferential statistics, okay? The first one is a higher crime rate within the black uh, population. It's true for murders, true for violent crimes in general. Um, according to the FBI's UCR in 2018, there were 16,335 homicides, and 14,123 of them had supplemental data, okay? So of the ones we knew, where we know the race, 53% uh, percent of the victims were black, 43 were white. The offenders for the, for the, for the known homicides, 54.9% of the offenders were black. Blacks make up 13.4% of the country, and really, as we just said, it's mostly men, which are about 7%. Right, so about seven percent of the country committed fifty-four point nine percent of the of the homicides, and and it's true for other. And the, by the way, let's say it doesn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyhow. It doesn't mean if you're black, you're a criminal. It doesn't mean it just means these are broad population numbers, right? And so you're trying to understand why that exists for for other crimes as well. For rape, uh, uh, blacks are responsible for twenty-eight point six percent. Robbery was fifty-four point two percent. Aggravated assault, thirty-three point seven percent. Burglary, you know, it's on and on and on. So there's a problem that there's that there's a higher percentage for these things, and that makes sense because the studies show that where there's a higher level of crime, there's higher interaction with police, which is just common sense. And when there's a higher interaction with police, there's a higher chance of shootings going on. So that that's one other variable. Another one is age. Every, between puberty and like 25, that's that's when young males commit all the crime. It's a, it's it's about testosterone. This has been studied to death. Okay, and as a population, blacks are younger than whites in the United States. In 2019, the median age of whites was 44. The median age for blacks was 31. So just because they're younger, you're going to have a higher population. Anybody, any race that's younger will have will have higher numbers. Okay. The other one's poverty. Poverty is heavily correlated with crime. In 2018, 11.8% of the country was poor. The difference is the average white household income was 66,000. The average black household income was 41,000. So they're poorer households, which means they're more correlated with crime, which means more contact with police, which means more police shootings. And I'll just give you one more: the fatherless homes. Right in 2017, 65% of black households had a single parent, and that's and that's and, the, and there's been study after study that shows the more interactions children have with a father, the less likely they are to commit crime. I've seen I've seen studies that show that children are four times as likely to be in poverty in a single parent home and three times as likely to end up in jail. So. There's, those are just a few of the variables. I could list about 20 of them, okay? But these are things you have to consider beyond racism, although sometimes it could be racism. So let me just tell you a few of the studies because I think it's important. And I'm just going to give you the headline for each. 2019 UC Berkeley study of officer-involved shootings found that when crime is a benchmark, the disparity completely disappears or reverses. There was a study of the Philadelphia Police Department from 2007 to 2014, and they, they found that shooting of unarmed suspects was due to... to Fa uh, failures in threat perception. Uh, 20, 2016, National Bureau of Economic Research, so this is one you guys have probably heard of, Harvard economics professor Roland Fryer did it and then they revised it in 2018. He found that blacks and Hispanics were 50% more likely to encounter some kind of police force, and that could be min very minimal force, like just putting hands on. But he found that there was no racial disparity in deadly force when they took into account the contextual factors.
no racial disparity with contextual factors. Contextual factor, pointing a gun, for instance, at a police officer, okay? When you, when you controlled for those, there was no racial disparity. Journal of Experimental uh, Criminology in 2014 study, they did the, the like the FATS, basically, I don't think it was FATS, but it was laser, you know, scenarios. And they find that there was um, the subconscious associations between race and threat, which, which other people have reported on, are not linked to shooting behavior. So even if people have these so-called unconscious biases, they didn't translate into shooting behavior. In fact, they found that white officers were, were 25 less 25 times less likely to shoot an unarmed suspect, and they waited longer to shoot an armed suspect as well. So it's the opposite of what you're hearing in the media. And then one more, the Bureau of Statistics in 2018 found that most crime is intraracial, right? Racial groups, you know, you look in Chicago, it's groups that are killing within their own group. But when they're interracial, they found that 15.3% uh, of the crimes against whites was committed by blacks, but 10% of the crimes against uh, uh, blacks was committed by whites. I mean, that the blacks committed over nine times as many violent crimes against whites. So when, when, you, when you look at those studies, you can point to cultural or societal problems within populations that, that could explain it beyond racism. It doesn't mean racism doesn't happen. You know, um, and just, just if I, I know I've probably gone over, but let me just give you a couple quick things. When because we're buying this narrative, we have all these unintended consequences that are happening. You've seen the looting, the property damage, the assaults, police officers getting hurt, but you're you're seeing racial violence and distrust growing. The the idea, this this myth that that the government's holding you down or that racism is holding you down and you can't succeed changes. And this has been studied how people actually learn and how they perform. Um, police are becoming less proactive around the country because they're afraid of the outcomes, and you get that Ferguson effect. That's going to disproportionately affect minority communities. Uh, people are going to be less likely to apply to be police officers, which is going to lower the, the, the quality of the police officers, and it's going to increase the amount of abuse because of that lower quality. You know, um, uh, police officers are less, are less or they're more hesitant to use legitimate force, which means they're more likely to be hurt. You know, and then you're going to see what happened in like the 70s when you have riots, businesses and residents are going to leave uh, cities and you're going to end up with a bunch of Detroits, right, where, where, where money left and that leaves the people who can't afford to leave, which are mostly minority in these cities, are going to be uh, uh, adversely affected. And, I, you know, there's a bunch of solutions I could recommend. You know, the, it, my biggest one is getting these facts out to the media, getting it out to politicians and to the people so they understand. You can, we all agree that use of force is a problem. So improving officer training, improving transparency and timely release of information, uh, improving the quality of shooting investigations, you know, studying the influence of public sector unions, their, you know, uh, immunity, a lot of these issues could be discussed. I think the big one is, because in the end, you can look at metadata all day, each, each shooting has to be looked at individually, right? And the best way to do that is body cams. If, if, if it's recorded, then you, you know what happened on it. And I used to be against body cams because of privacy issues. Now I think they're, and now I think they will save police and I think they will change this narrative very greatly. So I'm sorry to talk so much and so fast. Go to jeffreyjamesiggins.com and, and yep. please give me your input because I, I want to write this article this week. Jeffrey, say it again. What's your website again, please? It's Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. JamesHiggins.com, and you can reach yeah. me at Jeffrey at JeffreyJamesHiggins.com. I, I think uh, there's a link up on the site. Yeah. Now, your mission after tonight is put everything you said on a sign so we can go hold it out there as we protest. But it's just a lot easier to say all the cops are racist. But if you can get that down to about a 12-point pike, and we'll do that. All right. So hang on for a few minutes, Jeffrey. Um, uh, it's all going to open up. So if you guys have something to say, this is the time to say it. Any of the panelists want to comment on any of this? This is this is big. 
All right, David, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, ahead. you know, Jeff, Jeffrey hit pretty much all the points, and there was there was one that at the end uh, that I was specifically going to ask about, and that was the crime rates, the inter versus intra racial crime rates. But he hit that. Um, I thought that was very interesting. I wish he, if he would go into more detail about that in, in his article, that would be fantastic because I think it really drives the point home that most crimes, violent crimes, the vast majority of violent crimes are committed intra-racially, blacks versus blacks and whites versus whites, not the opposite. It's not this whole big white supremacy thing that the media continues to push. On the other side, uh, right here in our hometown, guys, um, the, the hometown newspaper rag, um, Brett, you can use, I'll send it over to you so you can use it to line your birdcage with, with later, um, written by a uh, Where's her name? Uh, Gabrielle C-A-L-I-S-E, Calise. And you can reach her there at, uh, at Gabrielle Calise at tampabay.com. Um, the, 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 the article is, is called Mistakes That Keep Repeating. And this is the thing, Jeffrey touched on it a little bit about the media driving the agenda with all this stuff and not, not using the correct information, the, the, the true information and it talks about uh, three uh, killings in Tampa that occurred, three uh, uh, police-involved killings, uh, one that I'm very familiar with. And in the article, I mean, she literally, and, and I hate to say this, but it, it appears that she literally lies about what happened in one of the, in one of the incidences. And it, it was, when I read it, it was, it was absolutely fascinating to watch or to read the twist and the way she twisted facts, and I'm going <clears> to <throat> use the, the term lies, the only thing I can come up with, to make it sound as if there was all this racial disparity within the justice system and how this case was treated. And, you know, she, she, used, she said something about an all-white jury where, when there wasn't even a jury. It was just, it was fascinating to read this article and see the outright lying going on within the media uh, to promote a narrative. It was just, it was, it was unbelievable. Okay. Does anybody else want to comment on this? I saw an open mic. Uh, Ward, go ahead, please. I have a question for Jeffrey. I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there's any statistics that set forth cop and black encounters and cop and white encounters that may help to explain this disparity in the number of shootings uh, involving involving blacks, as well as the quality of those contacts, for that matter. And you got two minutes to respond, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there are there are a bunch of studies on contacts, and they break it down by context, by race, you know, and um and and. And it's like street stops where people are approached, pedestrians on the street, blacks are more likely to be contacted by police. But, you know, again, those are broad data because you, you have to look at, you know, the neighborhood, the time, the, 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 the situation, the, the context of the stop as well. So, you know, on the face of it, you say, yeah, there's more contact, but is, is it racism that's driving that? Sometimes it very well might be, you know. And I think the problem is, and, and to David's point as well, you know, you, you have to, you have to, 
accurately portray what the data says because we all agree that that abuse of power is wrong. We all agree that racism is wrong. So when we actually find it, there and there and there are places where it happens, we can all get on board with fixing it. And what the problem is. When, the, when you lie about the data, and people do all the time, these narratives are just not true. They, they yeah. stoke people's emotions, but they create, end up creating all these unintended consequences, which are going to be horrible. I mean, I'm sure you guys will probably talk about it after I'm gone, but you, you have police departments being defunded now across the country. Minneapolis, they have nine out of 15 members of their council, which is like a supermajority. They want to literally get rid of the police department, completely defund wow. it. Good luck. Let's just see what happens yeah. there. Good luck. All right, uh, let me see. Ron, uh, just uh, we're running a little bit behind, but Ron, I, I know you have something important to say. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I was, first of all, a lot of, I agree with a lot, almost everything you said there, Jeffrey. Um, and the, as far as the defunding of the police department goes, I hope it's not my state, but I want everyone to watch that show. And uh, you won't have to use the, the beeper, uh, producer Will. I just want you to watch that show. I mean, this, is, uh, this has grabbed the attention of the world. And I want the world to see what happens to a community when you take away the police. You know, what happens to the good people when you take away the police? We already know what the bad guys are going to do. We're police officers. We know what the bad guys are going to do. But as far as the media goes, you'd like to have a good relationship with the media. You should have, like, when all this is going on, you should be pumping out information to the media. And But just like David says, you know, half the time, you know, if you don't have a good relationship or if they have some someone in there who's trying to make a name for themselves, they print what you want to hear, and they try to become part of the story instead of just printing the facts. What really happened? You know, white man shot black man. Well, three officers shot, and one officer was white. You know, um, or he had a shot off shotgun. You don't put that in the headlines because if it bleeds, it leads, and you're trying to capture everyone's attention, and you're trying to get ratings and or you know sales. So, um, and uh, and on the third a third note, um, the issue. In 1982, when I graduated from high school, I was asked a question in the yearbook, and it's right there in black and white. What do you think the biggest problem in America is? I said racism. In 2020, what are we talking about? Racism. If we just get off our ass and just, we should have done this decades and decades and decades ago. American history, black history should all be the same thing, compressed into one, uh, one subject, and just tell the truth. What happened, why it happened, who did what, and move on. You know, instead, we just mealy mouth and no one wants to have a conversation. They don't want to talk about slavery. You might piss this person off or that person might be uncomfortable. You know what? Everyone needs to stop being a snowflake and just talk about stuff that really and that really happened, that really matters. Because poverty is a cancer in the inner city community and it hasn't stopped yet. And so that's what we need to stop, poverty. Uh, there's nothing you can say about looting and breaking into other people's that makes sense. You know, a man has died, and that's tragic, and it was disgusting. Like you said, it was odiferous. I don't know anyone in my realm of reality that thought that was okay. However, you looting and breaking, burning up stuff and stealing people's shit does not make his life, you know, mean anything. It doesn't make it more meaningful. It doesn't make his death more meaningful. You're just a thief, okay? So stop, you know? Yeah. If you want to do it, use this as something positive, and let's move forward. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, Jeffrey, I appreciate you very much being here. It was extremely enlightening. I'd love to see all this in, in somewhere we could actually get it and, and put it out to people. So if you'll do that for us, um, we'll buy you a beer sometime next year down. So uh, Jeffrey Higgins, uh, JeffreyJamesHiggins.com, everybody take a look at it. Jeffrey, thank you very much. I know you have to go, uh, but um, we love you and appreciate you coming back.
Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you, and I hope I get some input on my website from your viewers because I'm going to write this article this week based on what I hear from you guys. Thanks. It was really great being here. Keep well, up the no, great thanks. work. All right. Take Drive fast, take chances. <laughs> so, wow, wasn't that pretty incredible stuff? Um, next, let's talk about... I hope you guys had a chance to look at this video of Miss Candace Owens, who was a very, very outspoken, marvelously spoken human being. And, and she had a video out there and it's, she says, I do not support George Floyd. And, you know, if that didn't cause a lot of people's heads to explode just by just by the title of it. But when you hear this young lady, very articulate, she, I believe she's running for Congress. I my problem, I don't remember which which uh, district. Um, She's incredible. She talks about his life. She says he's not an amazing person. Hell, I'm not an amazing person. I'm a pretty good person. She, and she goes on and talks about this in a way that is guaranteed to cause that she'll get more grief in her life than she that she ever, ever got. So, uh, guys, if you had a chance to take a look at that and you left a comment about that, please go ahead. And for those of you that are, that are watching, uh, we're going to have that available uh, when we produce the video so you'll be able to see the whole thing. So... Hang on to that. So, Ron, uh, let, let us have it. Yeah, Candace Owens is uh, she's something else. But when you when you uh, she wanted to be a provocateur, and she was. And what she's saying is like how you know every time someone's a uh, a criminal dies or something, we make them heroes. And why yeah. is that? And you know, and then they start listing all the stuff in his blood system. Now he didn't know. Let me just say before y'all start dragging my big ass on the on the on the internet. Um, he did not deserve to die. He did not deserve any of this treatment. That was excessive force. We've all said that that was murder, okay? So that being said, why are you for weeks and weeks and weeks burning down everything because this man died? You know, like I just said a few minutes ago. Um, I think everyone should just have an open mind and sit down and listen to this. It always pains me when I, when I look at and I see um, uh, Democrats are coming up with a new plan. Republicans are coming up with a new plan. How about America come up with a new plan? You guys work for America. Why don't you all get together and sit down and come up with a plan? Do your job. Like I said, 1982, 2020, shit hasn't changed. You're not doing your job. Yeah. I'm talking about politicals, lawmakers, not police officers. We're like, I mean, I think John Newman has said this more times than, than not, how, how we're scrutinized more than any other profession, um, known profession. And how we constantly are getting training, constantly updating, and constantly, you know, all departments haven't caught on yet, but they're going to catch on quickly. But every time one officer does something, now everyone in America has to atone for one, you know, and how is that fair to, you know, my white counterparts? And how is that fair to me? You know, I'm retired and proud. How do you make me atone for some BS that some fool in Minneapolis did? And he was a fool. I still say he's a sociopath. I just, I just can't, can't don't get it. But... Um, and, and that's some of the stuff she's bringing out, you know, and she's a Republican too, you know, which is amazing to me. She cares because <clears throat> I'm a Democrat. She's kind of cute too. God, but, you know, in, in a, in a, in a, in a, you know, I, I didn't even notice. Didn't even notice. Now, I bet you did. Ron, would, we better, <laughs> would we all be better off if we couldn't see each other? Yeah. If, if, we, if the, we were all yeah. blind and, and we interacted as, mm -hmm. as, as a voice and as a human, mm -hmm. but. But, you know, sometimes people, they see, and all of a sudden, uh, they, they draw this curtain across their eyes. And one of the, the best memes I've ever seen on Facebook was it was just a, a, a two-year-old kid, three-year-old kid, white kid, a black kid, giving each other a big hug. 
and 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 I said they they don't they're not born to hate each other. So, so what happens? And it's it's exactly. what we teach. You know, it's the way they're raised. And and, and I'll get you guys in a second, but this is my floor for the moment. But I, I just want to add this: if we would love our neighbor as ourselves, we, we wouldn't have to worry about any of the rest of this crap. Right. And I, I agree with that 100%. Like we want to be treated. We wouldn't need the government. We wouldn't have all this crap. All right. Having said that, let me see. Uh, Ward, you had your mic uh, open a few seconds ago. Would you like to open it back up? Okay. Yeah, you're, uh, you're, 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 you're as bad as Chip, uh, Brett. You ignore no, me? Is that what it. you're doing? I saw <laughs> it. I mean, you're going to believe me and your lying eyes. All right, Dave, you go that, ahead then. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, <laughs> if, if we Andy. could, I, I, would, I would agree with you, Brett, only if we had, if we could, do the I can't see you selectively. That way I could maybe not have to look at, you know what I'm saying, I, just certain yeah. people yeah. beyond that. Way back in the beginning of this, I, I said that uh, once these riots started and it became obvious where this was going, it, it, it was obvious at that point that, uh, that, that George Floyd's murder had been hijacked and was now evolving into something that no longer had anything to do with George Floyd. Uh, the name is is attached to it as um, as a, as the as the uh, standard bearer, but beyond that, it has. I don't think it has anything to do with him anymore. Uh, it was simply a flashpoint incident to kickstart what the looters and rioters wanted to accomplish, what, where they wanted to go, what they wanted to do. Um, as horrendous as the incident was, and as much as it should be the focal point of this whole thing, it's not. It, it, that's, and that's the struggle that, that Ron was just having was, what, what is the purpose? What, is, what are you doing? What are you accomplishing by these riots and this looting and this burning and damage? If, if you actually believe that the majority of the, co the country is now going, oh, gee, um, I guess we be we better defund the police and get rid of the police department in, in Minneapolis and all that kind of stuff. I, I hate to tell you, you're you're sorely mistaken. That the only message that's getting across to, to the majority of America is is look at all these criminals and what are they doing? Wait a minute, who was it that got killed? And and that's what's beginning to happen. Um, and it, it's it's horrendous. I you know I, I'm following up with Ron when he when he's talking about the necessity of, of, of true action. And riots and looting is not true action. That's just criminal activity. That's all that is. That's not true action. Um, and I hope, I pray, I'm wishing that Minneapolis gets rid of their police department. I, I honestly believe, I think if we get on, what is it, Ticketmasters, I think we could sell, I think we could sell stadium seats for that show. Uh, to watch that. It would be, uh, you know, something out of Gladiators or um, Return of the Cartels. I mean, it, it'll be just an absolute, uh, I, I don't, I mean, Chicago, Chicago just had their deadliest uh, day in the last 60 years. How many people were killed over the weekend or overnight? These people have absolutely no grasp, um, and Ron touched on it, they have no grasp of what would happen if police were taken off that front line. It, it's, it's beyond comprehension, but I hope they do it. I, I'm looking forward to it. That'd be fantastic. I think they'll sell tickets. Okay, and uh, Andrea, you had your mic open a few minutes ago. Would you like to jump in? 
Yeah, I'm going to try, but I keep breaking up here. Um, okay. I just want to say from the female side, um, it's really, really hard because I know part of the reason why I was hired was because I was a minority. So it's really, really difficult to sit there. And a lot of this I really struggle with. <laughs> um, I know I filled a quota. Um, I love all of my friends and family. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just... I don't know what that was, Brett. <laughs> um, but I, I really do. You know, I, I struggle with this whole thing. I, I'm, I am, um, I'm very proud to be a police officer. I sit there was a police officer. I'm proud of the community that I worked with, and to sit there and watch everything that's going on right now is is really upsetting. Um, I sat there and I watched that entire video of Candace um, Owens. I thought that she did a great job with explaining a lot of different things. Probably she probably points. Um, I'm sure that not everybody agrees with her, but it is something that everybody probably should watch. And kind of look at the different viewpoints. If we could all understand each other's viewpoints, we don't have to agree with them. Open your eyes and understand. I had a different experience than any one of you guys did as a police officer. I went up to several communities and because I was white, it was, you know what? You're a white police officer, I'm not gonna be heard. And all I would say was, well, then we're not gonna get anywhere. If you sit there and you have that mentality, we're not gonna get anywhere. So just listen to me, hear me out as a person, that's all I want. Because I was a woman, you may not, you may not like what I have to hear because you're a man. It doesn't matter. For me, I'm first generation American, I am proud. You know, I sit there and I fight for what I believe. My father taught me to be that way. He raised five, six, successful children. He's a, you know, Cuban immigrant. I'm telling you, if we could all just listen and have a little bit of compassion for everybody else, such as, you know, anybody that has a differing opinion, I promise you we'll get a lot further than where we are right now. And it's just really upsetting. I, I know why I was really struggling with coming on this show tonight because it's very, very passionate about why I was a police officer. I'm very passionate about who I am. I'm very passionate about, you know, let the best man win. I'm very passionate about, you know, not supporting racism. I, I, I just, I really, I, I, I'm not, I'm very much against racism and being against the police and um, being against, you know, feminism, anything like that. So I, I just, I, you know, I know I've struggled with that, but anyways, I just, let's just be a little bit more compassionate for everybody's, everybody's viewpoints. Thank you, Andrew. And I was pointing to myself, I'm, I was a minority hire too. I won't tell you what, but not, you know, so I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I thought you were pointing my chest. I thought you were pointing my chest. Even I know better than that. No, 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 no. Listen, no, no. It's, it's all good. Was, Listen, it's all good. It, all right, David, lay, lay it out, David. And Andrew, Andrew, you used the term, let the best man win. How sexist of you. That's just horrid. Um, where, where did, and, and Andrea touched on this and, and was going down the road. I was open. I was thinking she was going to say more but where did it come from that because i have a different opinion than you that that you become so incensed and so angry that you can no longer focus on an issue that you it, it's that's the astounding thing to me candace owens has an opinion it's her opinion she she can speak you know we talk about the first amendment all that kind of stuff okay it's her opinion big deal but the and then somebody else has a different opinion but the vitriol and the hatred and the death threats and the and the stuff that comes out because someone has a different opinion than you is to me just absolutely astounding how did we get to that point how did 
how did that those two sides of an opinion the two opposite sides of an opinion get to that point i mean it, that, that was the astounding part and you brought it up ron kind of touched on it but wow that that's just the amazing part that people get that violent over an opinion but you know you, you can be pro-police and and not, not anti-black you can be pro-police and not anti a race you can be pro-police and not anti a sex i mean it's just why do we have to be my problem with and i'm sorry and it may upset people my problem with black lives matter is they are there was a, an outward attack on law enforcement and it's so sad that so many people take that that black lives matter and it's an attack on law enforcement it's not a, hey, let's join together as a black community and let's sit there and try and get ahead in life. We can all get ahead in life. We live in America. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. We can all do it. Let's get together and let's, you know, let's make jobs. Let's build businesses. We can help each other out. There's no reason why we can't. It is just that platform. It, it just has gotten to the point where it means if you say Black Lives Matter, it is kill police. It, we need to drop all of this stuff, join together, drop all of it and understand. We have to understand where everybody else stands for. Most police officers, all they want to do is protect and serve, and they're still going out there and getting stuff thrown at them. They're getting their, their cars torched. I mean, I sit there, and I don't understand. I mean, we have to kiss our loved ones goodbye, and you sit there, and you're like, you know, I don't know if you're going to come home. Why? Because you're protecting and serving our, you know, our communities? It does not make sense to me. And if that does not outrage everybody, it just turns my stomach. So, like I said, I have a real hard time with all of this right now. Yeah, appreciate that. Now, I want to before I read the next to go to the next ad. Guys, think about this. I'm going to come back to you. Candace Owens gave that video. She put everything she had on the line, knowing that she's going to be the devil from this point forward. So, think about this, and I'm going to come back and ask you once I'm done with this this ad. Would, would we have done the same thing if given the opportunity? But just give me a minute. So uh, I want to talk about one of our, our, sponsors, uh, our sponsors, Column Case Management. And, uh, and here's the big question. Are you tired of case and record management systems that are difficult to use, inaccurate, and hard to report? How about help desk to take hours to respond with simple questions that take seconds to answer? Who hasn't been victimized by that? Check out Column Case Management's state-of-the-art investigative software with a 24-hour help desk. They respond within 30 to 45 seconds, which is almost unheard of. Besides great customer service, investigators choose Column's modern software platform for the following reasons, and there's a bunch of them. Their software makes it easier to enter and manage data through the life cycle of the case. With their link analysis module, investigators and analysts can effortlessly connect the dots throughout the case life cycle, quickly drag and drop any size attachments, including video into a case. That's always been a problem for most uh, systems. Smart reporting helps generate reports with a click of the button or on the schedule. And for law enforcement agencies, their community policing module tracks, manages, and prioritizes all complaints and plans that citizens submit. With their mobile-first technology, you can use your smartphone, laptop, and or desktop and have the same functionality. From the opening complaint to its case closed, let Column manage the life cycle of a case. For more information, for those who are still on the job or doing PI work, Visit www.columncase.com or schedule a free demo by emailing info at columncase.com. So thanks for being our sponsor. So you guys had a chance to think about it. Would, would you guys be willing to do what she did if given the opportunity? So lay it out there. Who's willing to talk? 
I have done that. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Ron. Lay it out there. I, I, appreciate say, you I, have, I, have, I have, I have done that before. Yeah. You know, I've done yeah. it in high school and I've done it in college and I've done it while on the job. Um, and I agree. Andrew hit the nail on the head. You can be pro police and not be a racist. You know, yeah. you didn't be, you didn't become a police officer and then become a racist. Uh, like you said earlier, you're trained. That's something you're trained to do or you're trained to be, or isn't it's nature nurture. If your parents, you know, nurture that in you or within you, or that's all they showed you, or that's all they said, mm -hmm. all the comments they made at the dinner table, then it's easy to fall into that. Okay. Now I'm a cop and I have this, but there are things we could do to do better. I mean, I mean, as a whole, not my department or the one I'm trying to go to, but as a whole in law enforcement, there are things that can be done much better, do better vetting, you know, um, better testing, um, more, you know, um, different, like, you know, implicit bias stuff. You can do all that stuff, you know, but the whole thing, it comes back to the man or the woman and the individual responsibility. What do you have in you and what do you, you know, yeah. what kind of character do you have? But standing up and saying, what's what? Those are uncomfortable conversations. And like I said, I don't have a problem having them uh, with my friends. We always have these conversations, but I like having them with, with the public, you know, and, and it, it is really, it's, um, it's really cool in the sense of all this is going on. And uh, uh, several of my friends, younger children are calling me, asking me my opinion. You know, they're, they've moved to California in LA and uh, one little girl moved from, she moved from Tampa to North Carolina. Now she's back here asking questions and you know some of it and a lot of young people feel that well now they're getting attention and and um you know uh um it's they have insurance and and young people don't think that well not everyone has insurance because they think everyone has to have insurance because mommy and daddy has insurance well everyone can't afford insurance everyone doesn't have insurance and if they have insurance guess whose insurance is going to go up and but they don't understand the economics of it all again that goes back to your education your poverty level and so on and so forth but then people, uh, someone on my website, Ron McMullen for Sheriff, um, put on there a girl who answered someone and said, well, they built it for free. They can burn it down. It's really theirs. So first of all, you're saying everyone out there is black. That's number one. Then you're saying everyone out there black is doing it. Then you're saying, okay, since my great, great, great granddaddy did it, I could burn it down because he had to build it for free. You know, and this is, this is what I go back to the education, why we haven't educated this country decades ago about our relationship with slavery and what happened and, and just be truthful about it yeah. and make it educational and be academic. So yes, I put myself right. out there before and I'm sure I'm putting it out there now. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Ron, since you're up, let me ask you a question. Just give me a yes or no. Are we being conditioned? Are we being conditioned to keep our mouth shut and not speak up? Yes. Okay. I guess we got to quit doing that. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, let's see. Now, I want to go back a little bit. Uh, we wanted to get Jeffrey James Higgins on. He had, he, had to, he had to go, so we wanted to talk to him first. But I want to go back for a few moments of, uh, at the very beginning when we talked about uh, the upgraded charges. And I know Ward uh, emailed me earlier, and he wanted a few minutes on this. So, Ward, I want to make sure I don't forget you. I don't want you to, to, to lay in on this because you are the former federal prosecutor, so you can tell us all about this. Okay, I guess this will be my Candace Owens moment because I'm going to be mentioning some things that will not be popular, have not been reported in the press. I've looked at the new probable cause affidavits, compared them. I've looked at the charges. The first thing I want to point out is that the new prosecutor here, the Attorney General, Keith Ellison, in 2018, tweeted support for Atifa, his son, or implicit support, his son, recently explicitly endorsed Antifa in 
remarkably, in my opinion, uh, racist terms. So here we have a left-wing ideologue as the prosecutor. These new charges were brought about nine or ten days after the incident. If you'll recall the Noor case, the last murder, so-called murder, convicted murder in Minnesota, uh, it took eight months to investigate uh, those, that case properly and indicted. The probable cause affidavit here, when you paired the original one with the new one, takes out the facts that demonstrate that this person, George Floyd, was uh, was resisting arrest. They took out the fact that he was over 60 tall, weighed over 200 pounds. They took out the fact, the statement, that he, he was actively resisting being handcuffed, and that he they took out that he's that he struggled with the officers by intentionally falling down, saying he was not going in the car and refusing to stand still. Uh, all this was done, in my opinion, to, to support the new charges. I, I don't think this is an appropriate way for a prosecutor to proceed. It's also interesting to me that the body cams have not been released. I suspect that they contain uh, additional information about the extent to which George Floyd was resisting. Another thing I'll point out is none of the probable cause affidavits say anything about race. Moreover, there's a hate law in Minnesota that has not been charged. Uh, next, something that's of interest to me, especially after the Newark case, I think that two of the cops who were charged are rookies. I'm curious to know whether they were they were hired uh, under the new dumbed-down psych standards that were put in place in order to encourage a, a more diversity. Now, mm -hmm. the, the charges, the charges the old charges were uh, culpable negligence manslaughter. I, I perceive that as a as a fair, good charge. Uh, one of the other charges, uh, the, one of the other older charge was third degree uh, murder, uh, the, the depraved mind murder. And I perceive that as a fair charge myself. I have read recently that there's a Supreme Court decision in Minnesota that says that that depraved mind murder cannot occur where the defendant's actions were focused on a specific person. I don't know if that's good law or not. I haven't read the case, but if that's good law, there's a problem with that charge. Uh, so now we have the, the charge of second-degree murder. Second-degree murder in Minnesota is either intentional, unpremeditated uh, killing or felony murder. They chose to uh, uh, go with felony murder. The purported underlying felony is is felony assault, which is assault with uh, that causes uh, substantial bodily harm. Um, the theory is that, that there was uh, too much force used in the restraint of George Floyd. That was a uh, an assault, which caused great bodily harm, and eventually death. So it's felony murder. This is something that should be extremely disturbing to police officers everywhere because police officers engage in restraints all the time. And if some progressive prosecutor feels you're using a little bit too much uh, uh, force, you could be charged with, um, with uh, a felony, perhaps even a, a uh, uh, you could be charged with assault, perhaps even felony assault. Uh, so, so this is a potential real threat to police officers. Um, Take, for instance, that Buffalo police officer who shoved down the protester, uh, just a shove. The guy fell down. He was injured. So arguably, there was an assault there by the police officer that caused substantial bodily harm. Had he died, possibly, 
in Minnesota, he could be charged with felony murder. Uh, another hypothetical, suppose you're in a car, you're chasing a, uh, a fleeing felon, you shoot at him. Uh, let's suppose some prosecutor fe uh, feels later that you didn't have sufficient grounds to shoot at him, as a fleeing felon. And let's suppose further that you hit a civilian by accident. Well, you're looking at possible felony murder when you thought you were doing the right thing. Wow. With respect to, to the, the... Go ahead. Uh, about another two minutes where we have to kind of move on. I hate to cut you off, buddy. With respect to the aiding and abetting charge against the other uh, three officers, first of all, it's very odd to charge aiding and abetting uh, negligent homicide because theoretically it's a lot illogical to intentionally aid and abet negligence because how could you know what the other person is thinking if that was uh, if that was negligence and not intentional? I think they should have been charged as principles, not with the aiding and abetting theory. Uh, the aiding and abetting a felony could possibly be one. It's a tough case. I think that there could be a real problem here. I think they have overcharged some of these things. To those of you listening, thank you very much. To Jeffrey James Higgins, thank you for being here for us. Get those stats to us so we can take that information and throw it out there. And let's get rid of some of these lies. To our producer, Will, sir, thank you for, for being here. We appreciate very much the, the work that you do in the background. It helps tremendously. We do appreciate it. To Chip out there uh, uh, getting his uh, treatment at the, uh, at the center, um, next time the white band pulls up, don't get in it. Just run, and, and uh, we'll see you next week. So thank you guys for being here very much. But we have column case management. We have extra duty solutions, Viridian, and gun learn. So guys, thanks for being our sponsors. We appreciate it. Have a safe week. Stay the hell off the news.